0: Dear Bloom, my Nigerian father has somewhat been absent my entire life. I've never been hurt or confused about this until my late teens into adulthood. I was tired of having to invite him into my life because he wasn't involved. He would come late, sit in the middle of the room and speak Yoruba loudly to me or any other native speakers or talk about my conception as this is his only fond memory of me. Every interaction brings drama between the parents and a call for me to be an informant or mediator. I'm too old and independent to need anything from him, and the fake small talk disgusts me. So I blocked him on my phone and haven't looked back since, going on three years, I finally feel like I can control something in this adulting thing, but it frustrates my Nigerian mother and my older cousins. They think I'll have regrets or I'm missing a father's guidance and love. They claim I'm not being a Christian by not forgiving him and should be more understanding of the Nigerian culture of respect and expectations, whatever that means. I've accepted that my father is who he is, and because of this, I can't risk my sanity or feelings. God literally put Jonah in a whale to get him to reconsider his ways. He hasn't done that to me, so I feel peace and confidence, moreover, that I'm doing the right thing in protecting myself. Right? I don't feel guilty or convicted to change what I'm doing. However, could I be blocking my own blessing by not humbling myself and accepting the trash ways of my dad? I'm not enthusiastic about my decision, but I feel like I need to protect myself against depression or low self-esteem. God loves us and is a father to the fatherless, and I am a child to a king. I ain't got to take mess from nobody. Yes? Amen? Bloom is a place of restoration. It's a place where women can be filled and then pour out onto others. The foundation of Bloom is always the Word of God, and in each episode, we focus on God's illuminating, inerrant Word as we strive daily to live on fire for Him. In this episode, we meet a listener who's having a hard time forgiving and reconciling with her father. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the power of forgiveness and share a practical framework for moving forward. Everything that I say here is subject to your spiritual authority, the men and women of God who help guide and shepherd you spiritually. We will hurt others in this life, and we will be hurt in this life, but we have to forgive. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Jacob tricked his brother into selling him his inheritance. David restored the grandson of the man who was after his very life. What do all of these stories have in common? Forgiveness. The individual that was wronged and oftentimes in a very deep way forgave there are so many examples of heroes in the Bible who find themselves betrayed by the very people that they love. There are a lot of lessons that we can glean from their lives and in the ways that they forgave. So why should we forgive? If we refuse to forgive, it doesn't grant us power. It enslaves us to sin. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, Jesus told Peter that we are to forgive one another 70 times 7. We should forgive so much that it becomes second nature and is our automatic response to offenses. How powerful is that? God commands us to forgive others. He forgave us while we were his enemies, and we should do likewise with one another. A heart that is truly transformed by God is a forgiving heart. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, that if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us. God forbid that we pass away and we hold unforgiveness in our hearts. God will not forgive us. That's so powerful. When I was a few years old, a tragedy happened in my family that would shape the rest of my life. And I didn't know it then, but my mother stumbled across my father's hidden gun. And in an arranged marriage that was physically, emotionally, financially, and mentally abusive, she began to plan her escape. By the time my father came back from his next business trip, we were gone. And I took my first cross-country road trip. Along the way, we'd been robbed, put into women's shelters, and put on welfare. And as a result, my childhood consisted of a lot of back and forth. And while my mom never spoke ill of my father, his absence was a very real and palpable reminder that I was missing a father and that it evidenced itself in some of the emotional scars that my brother and I have today. Now, my father is a Nigerian man, and they are known to be very different. Stereotypically, they're often very proud, very protective, sometimes showy, and normally not very quick to apologize. I met him for the first time when I was 17 years old, and he wept in front of my brother and I. And I felt this unspoken power over him. He had done my mother so much harm while they were together. And in this sudden twist, he felt powerless. I still battle internally regarding my relationship with him. And in the past, I wrestled with forgiving him for all that he did to our family. But over the years, I learned a few things. I learned that you can still forgive someone and not be an intimate part of their lives. You can love them, but from a distance. And I also learned that while our hurts may not be our fault, our healing is our responsibility. David was a man after God's own heart and was the one that God anointed to be king. Leading up to his tenure as king, David became a man on the run. After King Saul, the man that he would replace, grew even more jealous and afraid of him. King Saul wanted to put David to death Saul had a son named Jonathan who had become David's very good friend. And David promised Jonathan that he would always look out for him and his family. When Saul and Jonathan were killed on the battlefield, David came into power. But he never avenged Saul. He left it up to God. It may have made sense to destroy any relative left in Saul's house as they could have been potential rivals to the throne. Instead, we see David ask in 2 Samuel 9, verse 3, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? David ordered Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, to be brought to him. To Mephibosheth's surprise, he was unconditionally forgiven and accepted. His grandfather was the mortal enemy of King David but David received him into his home and as a member of his family David could have had Mephibosheth killed but he did not This is such a powerful example of forgiveness 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says this Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. When you repay evil with blessing, it transforms things. It transforms people. When someone betrays you and you can turn around and say, I love you and I forgive you, that's powerful. It's godly. And it's the way that God has commanded us to live. Don't let Satan trick you into believing that you are doing a good thing by harboring unforgiveness in your heart. Satan is a liar. The opposite of what he says is true. Don't let him trick you into believing that you are protecting yourself when you don't forgive, that you are a better person because you've canceled that person out of your life. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. God is our great avenger. If someone does us wrong, if they continue to talk about us behind our backs, if they betray us, if they lie on us, if they steal from us, or if they're mean spirited in front of us, it is our duty to take the high road. Always speak in love, forgive them, and let the Lord. Do the rest. A research study shows that people who are forgiving tend to have not only less stress, but also better relationships, fewer general health problems, and lower incidences of the most serious illnesses, including depression, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. Forgiveness frees us, it heals us, and it makes us more like Christ. Learning to forgive helps us to control our own narrative. It allows us to choose between living as a victim and living like Christ. We can acknowledge and feel the full pain of what has happened to us without getting stuck in a triggered state. We can fully feel our feelings without letting them overtake us. I can be the first to tell you that the easiest emotion to feel when you're hurt is anger and hate. In fact, it can feel extremely vulnerable to give up that anger and hate, quite frankly. But by letting go and choosing to forgive, we're not saying that what may have happened was okay. But we are just making the choice to not be ruled by it. The Bible tells us that love covers all wrongs. Fight evil with love. After all, that's what God did and that's what he does. You may think to yourself, I can't forgive him because of all that he's done or didn't do in my life. I can't forgive him because then he'll get away with what he actually did. I'd be giving him what he doesn't deserve. I can't forgive him because I actually don't want him back in my life. I'm happier without him. If I do forgive him, that means I have to reconcile with him and let him back into my life. I can't forgive him because he won't repent or ask for forgiveness. So why even extend that forgiveness for somebody who doesn't even think they're guilty? I can't forgive him because I don't care about the past. My life is moving forward now and my energy should be spent moving forward. I can't forgive him because he'll never change. There is no point in trying. I can't forgive him because I want him to suffer for all of the terrible things that he's done to our family. Let him enjoy what he's earned. If you find yourself here saying some of these things, it's important that we don't stay here. It's a matter of life and death. There's one reason that you can forgive your father. There's one reason that you can forgive that friend that betrayed you or that coworker that spoke ill of you behind your back or your cousins who did whatever they did to you. There is one reason because God has forgiven us. When we repent and we ask God for forgiveness, the Bible says that he tosses our sins into the depth of the sea. We are free, but that freedom isn't just for us to live a happy and unburdened life. Our freedom is for others, for those who were like us, selfish, lonely, miserable, prideful. It's for your father who hurt you. It's for your friend who betrayed you. It's for the people who talk about you, the people who steal from you, the people who cheat on you. They need forgiveness. And we get to pass it on. We get to. We can pass out the reckless love of God to others. We can give it to people that we feel deserve it the least. God loves them. So let them love them more through you. Be a witness and a light to others. This is the saving gospel. This is God's kingdom on earth. This is how we heal. This is how we move forward. When you can love somebody who's wronged you, when you can wish the best for somebody who's betrayed you, when you can cheer on a former friend who tormented you or love a father who abandoned you, This is what we're called to do. Here are a few steps that I want us to think about as we begin the forgiving process to those who have hurt us. It's a guideline from Christianity Today that I think is an excellent framework for moving forward. The first step is acknowledging the pain. Start here. Feelings of resentment are normally a good indicator. Step number two is think through the pain. Be honest about how you feel and admit that you don't like what happened or how you were treated or how it made you feel. Think it through. Put yourself in the shoes of your offender. Think about a time when you wronged somebody, maybe your parents, maybe a sibling, maybe a friend. You needed their forgiveness. Did that person extend forgiveness to you or did they withhold it? How did that make you feel? When it comes to forgiving others, remember these words from Jesus. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. The fourth step is to remember that God forgave you. If you're a Christian, you've admitted your need for God's forgiveness. Remembering how he forgave us when we didn't deserve it, can help us forgive others. But you still may not be ready at this point to voice your forgiveness to the person that hurt you. Step number five is to remember that God commands us to forgive. This is not about canceling people or not extending grace to people who make mistakes. This is a grace game. We've got to forgive others. We have to forgive people. We have to think about the restoration process. When Jesus taught about prayer, he stressed the importance of forgiving others. He said in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Step number six is to let go of the pain. Once you've gone through the stages that I just mentioned, refuse to hold on to that hurt. Don't replay the offense over and over and over again. Determine that you are going to choose to forgive. Your emotions may not agree with this decision, and that's where prayer comes in. Tell God that you want to forgive and ask him to change your heart towards the person that wronged you. Step number seven, continue to forgive. If the wound was deep, you'll probably have to forgive more than once right? When memories of the incident or the person come to mind and you find yourself getting worked up over it, immediately go to God in prayer. Step number eight, pray for the one who hurt you. It may be impossible to restore a relationship. For example, you don't know where that person lives or contacting that person would be a safety risk. But you can always pray no matter where you are in the world and no matter where that person is in the world. You can pray for the one who hurt you and then ask God to reveal his love to them. And then at any point, I want you to start the conversation. Let your father know that you love him and that you're here for him, that you forgive him and that you want him to know that you want the best for him. Then leave the door open and watch God work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please subscribe on iTunes as well as rate and review this podcast. It will help Bloom reach many more women around the world. I'd like to close this out in prayer. Father, we come before you thanking you for who you are. And we thank you for the ways that you love us and the ways that you shaped us. Thank you for the life of every single woman listening to this episode. I thank you for the gifts that you've given them. I thank you that they've decided to carry your torch of grace to the world. I ask for forgiveness of our sins and the ways in which we have led people away from you, both knowingly and unknowingly. Lord, help us to be women of prayer and women of faith. Help us to continue to seek after your kingdom. I ask that you are with us during the seasons of brokenheartedness when we feel like those who have hurt or betrayed us simply don't deserve our forgiveness. Help us to see that forgiveness is not only a mandate from you, but that forgiving others frees us from the bait of Satan and provides a witness of your never-ending grace and mercy towards us. Let us draw near to you in times of stubbornness and confusion so that we may share your banner of truth and light with everyone that we're connected to. Lord, I thank you that you are our great avenger and that justice will be yours. I thank you for our purpose. I thank you that we belong to you and that we will go to the ends of this earth, sharing the hope, joy, and love that you've given to all humanity.